0: Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show.
1: Moving Iron in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving Iron time and time again You'll find us here, moving iron.
0: Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Angie Setzer. Angie, how are you doing this morning?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing really well, thank you. Well, a lot of crazy stuff's going on, and there's been a lot of stuff floating out there. One thing I want to talk about today are a few tweets I read from you earlier in the week, and one had to do with. Uh, the USDA and and the uh, Prevent Plant and what that looks like. So yeah, there there's some internal rumblings, I guess, of the uh, 7 to 8 million acres of Prevent Plant, assuming that we have a USDA because it sounds like everyone's not moving because it's just awful that they have to move to, to, to do a different job someplace. Oh, but yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Everyone's quitting because they have to go to Kansas that's City. That's awful. Yeah. I hate
0: it. Oh. It's a horrible thing. <laughs>
2: right. Whatever. Kansas
0: City. That's oh. uh, such a bad place too. It's horrible. Right. Um, but anyway, so there's some internal rumblings about that, and this, there's a crop report coming out here. Was it? Is it today? Or is it yeah. today? Yeah, that's going to have some some uh, some play on that, especially on the cattle side of the, of the business here. So, I guess talk about that a little bit, and and how. I guess, how's that going to affect what we see? Because so far this week, I think we've lost about everything we gained the week before. So it's just been all over the place.
2: Yeah. Um, There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot going on and there's absolutely nothing going on. Right. right? Right. Um, And so, and that's typical in the market structure. Um, I'm trying to organize my thoughts to make it the least mixed up when we start talking, because there are so many different things and they all are interworked. They're all interwound with one another, but they're still all stuff that we're supposed to kind of pay attention to individually. So first and foremost, right, let's look at why we would be trading lower um, today. And uh, the truth is, is that we went into this week's uh, Sunday morning's uh, quantitative precipitation forecast, which is the QPF that everyone was throwing out uh, throughout the planning season and really using as gospel, um, showed zero rainfall expected throughout the state of Iowa. And so Iowa was supposed to have about half of their crop pollinating, their corn crop pollinating this week, and they're supposed to be experiencing temperatures in the upper 90s to 100 degrees, heat indexes 110 to 120, you know, and just some really high nighttime lows and and things like that. And so we started out the week with the idea that, holy crap, we're going to take this Iowa crop completely backwards if we don't get the rain that we are supposed to get this is a bad deal we also didn't know where barry was going to go so we had the tropical storm in, in new orleans or in southern louisiana and we didn't know how far west it was going to move if we were going to see any sort of rainfall in illinois indiana ohio anything like that and so the idea was if we go into this heat today this week without this rain you know Stuff's going to get a lot worse than, than where it's at. So we we started Sunday night into Monday up much higher. Well, Then all of a sudden, because God has to reward people who live in Iowa somehow, um, it rains. They have rain. It just, it, surprise rain. And um, so they got a decent amount of rain that worked its way through, you know, basically each day this week leading into the heat. Now, not everyone saw it. Not everyone says that it's enough To to really kind of offset what they need But let's be honest If we would have seen a rainfall map Like we had seen this week With Barry falling Barry did work a little bit further west than anticipated We did have a storm system work its way from South Dakota Through Iowa into Illinois And drop an inch and a half of rain On on some folks in in southern Illinois And so in a typical year Typical year July 18th-ish would be about when the entire corn crop in the U.S. is pollinating and about in a rainfall like this one with this forecast, because it is supposed to turn cooler and drier next week and and better for production, this crop would have been made. This corn crop would have been basically made in the eyes of traders, that we would have moved on from a weather conversation until we got to frost and all would be done. Now. This isn't a normal year. Ding, ding, ding. Let's remember that, you know, less than half of the average amount of the corn crop is silking. Less than half of the average amount of soybean crop is blooming. We're way behind in a lot of areas. And so really reality is based on when most of this crop got planted in the eastern corn belt. Now, I'm going to say there are a lot of folks that will tell you in Iowa right now, as long as they miss on on any sort of, you know, catastrophic type event that starts with an F, and comes earlier than normal as long as that doesn't happen i mean i've had a couple different anecdotal um observations from elevator folk and and farmers out there that their crop's going to be as good as what it was in 17 which was it was a record um and so we have to keep in mind that that iowa you know like i said god has to reward them for living there for some way, shape, or more. you can send me all the hate mail you want. But anyway, so that's why we started out lower, you know, or why we saw this market really kind of get pressured. Now, FSA information, right? Mm-hmm. So then we get this we get this bounce um, midweek that we're up five, six cents on corn because of the FSA information coming out. Pro Farmer kind of said that based on what they're hearing from their um, folks at the FSA and at the USDA, that you're looking at seven to eight million acres of corn already uh, certified or already put under prevented plant um, on on the corn side of things. So everyone's like, oh, that's a big deal!" Is that uh, you know that's that's seven to eight million already, and it's expected to climb. What does this mean? And so then you can see. In true bearish form, you know, your knights on white horses come riding in and say, well, that could be 7 to 8 million off from 95 to 100 million acres and blah, 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 And I'm like, at first I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Just when I think you guys can't get any stupider, you go out and pull some sort of idea out here that we're looking at 95 million acres. But couple things. Um, first of all, you... If you are a farmer and you have your acres, so you still have an allotted amount, so it's, it's you can't claim any more corn acres for prevented plant than what you had planted prior, the year prior or the two years prior or whatever. But let's say you got 80% of your corn acres planted, and you have you were going to reduce your corn acres or whatever, and so you have basically the ability to throw another 100 or 200 or 500 acres into corn or say that you were intending to plant corn. Now you've got to have seed receipts, you've got to have, I mean it's not just something you can just be like, well I was going to plant corn there. You've got to be able to prove it but you can say that you were going to take prevented plant on corn that you may have never even intended to put corn on in the the first place. That's one thing that that can be done. Um, Second thing is you could see a lot of corn planted or an increase in corn planted because of uh, silage
0: needs. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, you have the prevented plant option. So you can put corn on after prevented plant. And guess what the USCA said this week? Those acres are going to be counted as corn plantings. So it's very possible that we could see this big increase above even 91.7 in planted acres, but see a significant reduction in harvested acreage in the end. So my friend Boyd put it the best. Absolutely. The more information I get the more confused I am. And so that's where we're at in a market structure right now. The more information we get, the more confused we are. What does this all mean? Where are we going? And so the only thing that we really know right now is that we are seeing some ethanol plants slow down. We had a plant in Michigan go completely offline. Rumor has it that they're reselling all of their bushels that they own back into the market structure. They're just going to be shut down this year. Um, there's other plans that are slowing way down. There's, we've seen a little bit of a weakening in basis here in the state for the next couple of weeks versus where we were uh, a week ago. So that tends to be negative. And then obviously exports stink. I mean, they're, they're rotten garbage. So everyone can focus on exports being lower and all of this stuff. And so it's just we are where we are. But guess where we are? We're range bound. We have been
0: since the 1st of June. All right. All right. So, okay, good stuff. Now, that all makes sense. What's the real meat and potatoes of this of this market right now? I mean, what what's the real underlying you know there, I get this feeling and maybe it's just a conspiracy theorist in me, I guess, but I get this feeling that anytime that there's any kind of bullish news that comes out, the USDA goes out of its way to absolutely not only throw a bucket of water on it but try to dump it in a lake someplace
2: yeah, just kind of completely expunge it from our record or our memory it's, like- it's not you know and it's not even just the usDA um, it is i mean there's there's some real Struggles, I have some real struggles right now with the the USDA information. Um, I think they maybe are wrong on the quarterly stocks number. and I know we're not supposed to say that, right? It's you know, you can only question the USDA information if it's bullish. like, oh well, that's not right, obviously. Yeah. Um, if it's bearish, you just have to take it. So like the soybean number, you know, the soybean acreage at 80 million is actually somewhat bullish to the structure versus where we were anticipating soybean production to be. Right. And everyone's like, well, obviously that has to go higher. That's not right. You know? And it's yeah. like, oh. um, and I think that's just because as a whole, for one, if you had called the top. In the last five years, you were a genius. You know what I mean? By the end of June, you had to say, well, the high is obviously in, and you should have been marketing two, three weeks ago. Um, And so I, I think as a whole, we're stuck in this bearish mindset anyway. The USDA's job is to remove volatility and keep food, food prices is cheap i don't think they've ever denied that that's exactly that's
0: right yep you
2: know, i think that's yep. you know it's a, we're going to give you the information in order to make sure that we have no volatility in food prices and that you know it's cheap and so i think that's part of it um yeah i i question a lot of the motives on that side obviously you don't want to turn into china and be like well we're just going to go ahead and manipulate our information um, in order to, to make sure that we're always in the right when it comes to, to prices as a whole. But I do think that when it comes down to it, there's a lot of ways that we are acquiring data, which is very antiquated. Um, and I think the USDA, you know, the lack of communication, too, between the NAS and the... the um, Foreign Agricultural Outlook Board and the FSA groups and, you know, I I guess the USDA in and of itself, you know, where they're located is like a city block size. I Mm -hmm. mean, I I have a friend there that used to be our old elevator auditor guy and now he works in the produce side of things and he's like, I could walk around here for a year and and not see half the people that work here, you know, and so there's an idea that there is a general lack of communication, but... It's 2019. Like, you mean to tell me we don't have a database somewhere that can kind of put together... You know, I could take a picture of myself and age me 30 years thanks to some Russians, and you can't tell me that we can't figure out what our certified FSA information is real-time anymore? Like, crop insurance agents pretty much know by the 28th of June. Now, that got extended this year because of the later year, but, I mean we kind of have an idea here and we just don't really, u- we still use like guesswork
1: right? Um, yeah.
2: surveys, you know, and, and things like that. So yeah, I, I'm struggling right now. I, I'm, I'm not one of those people that is exceptionally bullish, but I really am struggling with these people that are exceptionally bearish and I get frustrated with, data flow and the, well, obvi- you know, ignoring any sort of indication of something that could be positive for price simply because you're so hell-bent on having this lower-priced axe to grind to prove how stupid the farmer is. Like, that's, I feel like there's a whole industry right now that's like, well, the farmer is obviously going to be wrong all the time, because he's just a dumbass, right. you know, like, <coughs> pardon my language, but yeah. still, I just... That's what I feel like right now, and maybe mm-hmm. I'm just on a rant. I, well, I think
0: my 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 kind of my opinion on that is, I really think that there's a uh, to your point with the, F- the USDA, right? Their whole thing is, a, you know, to have to, a, a a good, clean supply of food that's cheap, right? That's their whole mm-hmm. purpose in life. Yeah, and world economies are slowing down and everything else if the price of food starts going up and price of fuel has been going up and everything else all of a sudden the idea of a recession in the US gets to be a little bit higher right yeah. and I just I mean the one thing that kind of pointed me in that, in that direction was the last report two or three weeks ago four weeks ago whatever it was that they came out with it and then they knew it was wrong they reported it as, as that three days after the fact after the market traded everything limit down You know, and those those are the kind of things where I'm like, they did, they had. I mean, someone should have got fired over that, or for for complete incompetence, or it was rigged that way. You know what I mean? I mean, that was so that was so diabolically wrong. You know that they had to have somebody as a plan, or someone was just that dumb, and it was just that's the kind of stuff that that kind of makes me makes my head spin a little bit when we start talking about all the stuff we see happen in the market, and then obviously. We've been in a very pessimistic marketplace for the last three three years, you know, um, especially the last 18 months with the whole China thing. But now we're and it's hard to get some people out of that pessimism, you know, and, and as you start moving down the line. So now here we are. And it's just, yeah, we've, we've got there's, there's no reason why there shouldn't be a little more bullish um, intent yeah. in the marketplace right now.
2: And I think that's a common frustration among everyone. I mean, April Hemis is part of the U.S. soybean board, and Mm -hmm. they were all together as a group talking about what their production outlook looked like. And they're, you know, really of the mindset to where the market's not reflecting what is taking place. And so that's interesting to me in the sense that, you know, um, but the market will figure it out i've always been under the guy under the impression or always have been taught that the cash market is the rec- will reconcile actual supply and demand and so you've seen some significant increase in the cash market you know, over these last month or so where basis prices are trading at the highest level seen since 2012 in the eastern corn belt we're actively seeing 75 to 90 to a dollar over in in ohio and michigan and places like that ohio was supposed to have had the largest year-over-year increase in on-farm stocks and so everyone's like well obviously the farmer's hoarding it Have you met a, have you talked to a farmer lately? Because my guys needed cash in February. Right. My guys needed cash in June. Now I could sit here and, and probably make 27 phone calls and, and see what's out there. And I could probably scrape together, you know, a million to a couple million bushels of corn if I were to, to really try. Um, That might be on farm, but that's not even enough to cover our demand here in our piddly little mitten state for the next, you know, and Mm -hmm. so are are farmers really hoarding it or is it not really there? Right. Um, We'll know, I guess, someday uh, as to what's happening, but, you know, that's the thing. You can't question the USDA in, in that. You can question the USDA in an 80 million acre soybean planted number because that could be considered somewhat supportive to price, but you're just supposed to ignore the fact that the cash market has been on fire. The July SEP went off as an at an inverse. July DEES was inverted, which spreads indicate, you know, basis spreads, futures, so basis was strong, record strong, or as high as it's been since, you know, 12, spreads are starting to come into an inversion, which is trying to convince people, it's trying to deter you from holding on to grain. When spreads come in, when there's less amount of market, you know, from July to December, then, then you know, the, the market encourages you to either hold the grain when there's a lot of supply by offering you an incentive to do so with more price down the road, Or it takes that away, and we've seen spreads come in, we've seen basis firm, and everyone is still of the mindset that it's just a a false artificial move because every farmer in the United States apparently is holding on to all of their grain. Mm -hmm. That's the dumbest thing I have ever heard. I'm sorry. I've tried to be nice about it since February. It's July now, and that's stupid. Like Obviously, we're overcounting what is out there to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, yeah, and especially I'm
2: in. a rant again. I'm just right. I'm the ranty sort of person today.
0: Especially in in, this, in the the environment that we're in right now, mm-hmm. every bank that loans money yeah. to a farmer and every I'm not going to I'm just going to paint a pretty brush broad brush here that every farmer has a loan someplace operating note yeah. or whatever it might be,
2: whether it's FSA or not. FSA loans are coming due. You yep. get six. You get uh, six months.
0: Yep, and now they've got. Every banker is out there, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. That's how I'm yeah. going to determine if you get a loan next year or not, is your cash flow. Yeah. And they're not going to be five like, yourself, well, you know, I'm corn. just going to sit on this corn, I guess, and whatnot.
2: Yeah, just because I'm going to become a millionaire, yeah. you know, and that's, these guys have an opportunity. at Five dollar corn bought some corn. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. I mean... We did have certain places that, you know, I talked to a feeder the other day, he says, I'm pretty well covered. Now, he figures he's going to buy wheat for really cheap, which that's going to have to be a come-to-Jesus moment here pretty soon, because wheat and wheat are not in the same sentence anymore Mm -hmm. here in the state. Um, But... We'll see. I don't yeah. know. I get frustrated with it, um, and I don't want to you know, pick on anyone directly, but it's kind of like, you can't tell me that, that cash and spreads indicate what the board's going to do when basis sucks and spreads are at 85% of full commercial carry and tell me, well, that's just because we have too much. Yeah. And then when basis goes to a record high and spreads are, are almost non-existent on the carry side of things, just say that's because the farmer's holding on to grain. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no. Oh. Are there some somewhere holding on? Sure. You know, are we backlogged because of the river market in, in certain spots? Yeah. Have logistics sucked in other areas? Like, obviously. But that still means that, I mean, that doesn't mean that it's just being held on to indefinitely, in my opinion, but right. we'll see. The <clears throat> time is the, the greatest, um, you know, the greatest truth teller. And so we'll see how this market works out as we work our way towards harvest.
0: Right on. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but right there with you, Angie. Keep, fight the power,
2: right? <laughs> Keep up the good fight.
0: <laughs> All right, Angie. Folks want to reach out to you, ask you some questions, or, or get some more of your opinions on what's going on. What's the best yeah. way to do that?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Goddess of Grain, or you can email me at a. Setzer at citizenselevator.com.
0: Right on. All right, Angie. Well, take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you again next week.
2: Yep. Have a good one.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Millinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Burnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.
1: Moving iron in the 21st century. i to see